0: This is a base camp year for us. This is kind of a year where we've kind of set aside and are establishing uh, for the future in in a number of ways. And and, and we've been talking over this year uh, about the call and commission on every follower, every disciple of Christ is to be, well, I could sum it up in four words of what we've covered so far this year, to be disciples that follow and to be disciples that make to be disciples that follow Christ, increasingly so, and to be disciples that are making disciples for Christ, increasingly so. And and Radiant, if we are going to be uh, and continue to be a church that is forward for the Lord and having an impact in our lives, in the lives of those in our spheres of influence, then we need to be a people that are increasingly disciples that follow and disciples that make, amen? We need to be that and and God has called in commissioned us to it. That is our ground zero reality for us. And, and it's not dependent on our life circumstances. It's not dependent on our life economies. It's, it's not dependent upon how we feel in the moment. It's not dependent upon who's the lead pastor. It's, it's dependent upon the Lord, and it's dependent upon the Lord doing a work in and through us, and us being available to Him to be able to be disciples that follow and disciples that make. Well, Doug, so if we're, to be, if we're all called and commissioned as disciples in Christ, to be ones who are uh, following him and making disciples of him, then uh, question, is there a call and commission on each and every local church? If we are to called and commissioned to be disciples that follow and disciples that make, does the Lord have a call and commission on his churches? And the answer to that is yes. He does. And I'm a pretty simple guy, so I will just use two words to give the big summary uh, of what that is. Churches equip. Churches equip. And there is a big part of me that right in this moment, I just want to like grab everything and walk off the stage and just be done for the day. Because uh, that is, honestly, that is the point for today. Churches Equip. Do we worship? Yes. Do we have fellowship? Yes. Is there teaching that takes place? Yes. But in the core of it all, when it really comes down to how is this supposed to happen, what is the objective that's going on, what should we be looking for in a church, and what should churches be doing as churches, it's that. Church is equipped. And so I'd like to go a little bit longer and take you to some passages of scripture to unfold that, okay? So let's start uh, with Matthew 16. Matthew 16, a turn there. If you in one of the Bibles behind the seats, there. It's page 771. If you're using your phone, well, it's somewhere on your phone. <laughs> All right, page 771. Uh, Matthew chapter 6. Let me just get it. 16. I'm sorry, chapter 16. Uh, a little bit of context, Jesus is in uh, full ministry mode uh, by this time in Matthew 16. Uh, he's called the disciples. The disciples have experienced him teaching them. They've experienced uh, him uh, teaching others. They've experienced him uh, having called the, or fed the 5,000, even fed the 4,000 in it as well. And before, shortly before we're, we're gonna, uh, Before the very famous statement that we all kind of know, Jesus said to them, take up your cross and follow me. Shortly before that is these verses I want to read out of here to help us get started on the subject of church as equipped. Verses 13 through 18, uh, let me read those. It begins in verse 13 like this. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, hey guys, who do people say that the son of man is? By the way, very important to understand that, that son of man is a title. It comes out of Daniel, comes out of the Old Testament. It's There is one who's going to be coming that is the son of man, okay, the equivalent one of man. Uh, Son of God means the equivalent one of God. And there's gonna be one uh, that is coming that is that, hey guys, who says is the son of man? And so they reply to this title question. Uh, Some say it's John the Baptist. Some say that it was Elijah. Others say it was Jeremiah or, or one of the prophets. Okay, okay, good, good, good. Uh, that's in there. Um, uh, he's then said to them, uh, but who do you say that I am? He's having a conversation about this, this uh, who's the son of man thing. So let, let's kind of turn that corner a little bit and let's ask the question, guys, we've had this time together. Who, who do you say that I am in this? And Simon Peter spoke up. Simon usually does. Sometimes he puts his foot in his mouth, but this one, man, he knocks it out of the park. You are the Christ, By the way, that's a reply with a title. You are the Christ. You are the Christ, the son of, the equivalent one of the living God. And Jesus answered him, oh my, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, by the way, it's very cool, word movement there. And you are Petros, and on this Petra, I will build my church, and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. I will build my church. A little seminary work here together as a, as a, a, a people. Uh, the original language has that uh, statement. Uh, there's really three words in there. It's basically, it's this. It's uh my, that's the English part of it, ecclesian. I'm making a deal out of this, not because I've been to seminary. I'm making a deal out of this because it's actually important here in a few minutes. This word that is used here, it's a a first-person singular. That means it's I, and it's future. That means it's I will. It's future active indicative. That means that I will actively, and then the core of the whole word is build. I will build. I will construct. Uh, the word was used for uh, physicians in setting a bone uh, back in place it's not so much about the setting the bone that's the issue it's the idea of it it's getting it into a working condition it was broken now it's back in working condition i will do that with my ecclesia my people my church by the way jesus is the i Jesus is the one who will do the building. He is the constructing contractor. He is the one we're going to see here in Ephesians. He is the one that is head over it all. I is Jesus. It's not them. It's not Peter. Jesus is the one who is over it all. Oh, by the way, it's my church. Again, it's not their church. It's not Peter's church. It's Jesus's church. It's his ecclesia people. He owns it. Hey friends, we're His. That's cool. We're His, not someone else's, not mine, not yours, His. Revel in that, man. Hold that close. That's interesting because um, I think you know I was 20 years in, in business um, and then it's been almost 20 years now in, in vocational ministry. And so I know what it is to be in your seat. I, I That's kind of my normal life. That's what I know kind of first and foremost. And I've come out of that into vocational ministry. And, and I remember when we would look for a church or we would consider our church. And, and it's interesting kind of a thing now when I read something like this because I go, you know, um, if it's his church, why do we have a tendency to consider a church, evaluate a church by our standards? If it's his, and if he builds it, maybe that should be top priority. But, but it is, I, I think there's a tendency in us to, to kind of evaluate things by, you know, what I think, what I want, what I prefer in a good local church. And I don't think there's, uh, you know, that's wrong in and of itself, but what's at the top? We can come in and we can kind of think through things. Well, I, I want certain programs or I desire, you know, a certain music or certain structures or a certain size or a certain liturgy or, uh, you know, I don't know, same age groups or uh, I desire, you know, um, pastoral visits or I desire a pastor more like Paul or, I, no, I desire a pastor more like Apollos or, I mean, we can do that. But but I'm bringing that to the table uh, because I do think those have a place, but those are not the top place because, friends, it's not our church. And I think part of the question comes in in all of this is over time, I, I want to equip you today with understanding what Jesus is wanting his church to be about. And it's, he desires his churches to be churches that equip the saints to do the work of ministry in fact, uh, with that, would you turn to Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, page 918, if you're using one of the Bibles behind the seats there. Ephesians 4, when exegeting out that passage, uh, one commentator says this, man, this is spot on. He says, the first concern of the leadership of the church should be for the filled seats, not the empty ones. Let me say that again. The first concern of the leadership of the church should be for the filled seats, not the empty ones. Now, I will say this. I think I and we as a church and you would desire that God would do a work, uh, might we say, permeating the west side of Indianapolis such that the fact that the hope of the gospel gets out to people and so many people are coming to Christ, that every gospel teaching, God-loving church on the west side of Indianapolis, that every seat is filled, right? We would love that. We love people who are without Christ. If you are without Christ, don't know Christ, you're seeking after Christ. Hey, man, we love you and we love to be able to interact with you and and we want to see more people. But I'm just gonna say this, we are not a seeker-driven church. We just aren't. We have never have been. And I pray to God, we never are. We love people who are seeking after the Lord. We love, 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 People are seeking after the Lord just to make sure that's on the table and understood. But in the heart of it all, what is the Lord looking to happen in his local church? What is that supposed to? Listen, and I'll say this. The first concern of the leadership of a local church should be that of those who are in the seats and equipping you. And Whether we've done that well over the years or not, whether we've nailed that on the head or not over the years, well, the Lord can assess that, but I can tell you that that's our desire, and that's really my singular point today, is we're a people who's being sent forward, disciples who follow Christ, disciples who make disciples for Christ. We view our job here as a church leadership to equip you to increasingly follow and increasingly make. And let's see this in Ephesians here uh, borne out. Ephesians, uh, six chapters. The first three chapters are heavy theology, heavy doctrine. I would say it this way, don't get too uh, blown, oh, you know, over overblown by that. It's heavy thinking, it's just deep stuff. Ephesians two, one through 10, uh, one of my uh, top five favorite passages in, in all, of the, all of Scripture. And, and it's just deep, solid stuff. You have to be rooted in this stuff. And then we make a turn in chapter four, four, five, and six are really the doing chapters of it. I'll say Ephesians is the perfect example in the Bible of the yin and yang of the Christian life. Right thinking drives right living. Deep thinking drives deep living. Theology, truth, drives reality living for the Lord. And here we're right in chapter 4, we're in verse 1, and this is the corner turn. And that's why Paul begins, as the Spirit of God is working through him to write this down, uh, moves him from, uh, to this, these words, I therefore. Well, what's the therefore therefore? Well, it's therefore because of what comes preceding it. It's almost like, take the theology, and therefore, what do we do with it? I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord. By the way, just a moment on that. I'll just say it this way. Serving Christ is costly. If you came to Jesus looking for a simple life, I'm going to lovely and I hope humbly say to you, I don't think you understand the gospel. Following Christ is not a call to an easy life. Actually, following Christ is a call to a costly life. I therefore, Paul, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you. By the way, he's writing to the saints who are in Ephesus, chapter 1, verse 1. He's writing to God's believers. He's writing to uh, those saints there. I could say he's writing uh, to a church of people there. I urge you. It means I implore you. I appeal to you. I exhort you. I call you. He's not suggesting. He's not asking, yeah, if you feel like it or, you know, if it's a good day for you, maybe consider this. He's saying I call you. I commission you. I urge you to walk to walk Uh, by the way not crawl not sprint Um, the Christian life is not a sprint and if you're thinking it is slow down take a breath you've been called to walk not sprint Uh, if you're crawling in your Christian life I'm gonna love you enough to say it's time to pick it up because we're not called to crawl we're called to walk I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love. Oh, by the way, the Christian life is not done alone, it's done together. Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. By the way, verses 1 through 6 in the original language is one sentence. Paul writes like an attorney. Love you, attorneys. Grateful for your attorneys. But he writes like an attorney. Why do attorneys write with long sentences? Because the thought here carries on down. We don't want to break it up into mini thoughts. Uh, we want to uh, keep it in a flowing movement of, of unified movement of thought and content. And these first six verses are one moving thought. And the Lord doesn't let Paul leave the whole talk about you and I walking in a manner without including in that the reality that we do it together. And just even this room so full, it's just so an encouragement. Friends, we're in this together. We're in this together. I need you, we need each other. This is not a going it solo job. This is a life with God's people for God. And then seven, seven, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. It's interesting, after this first, what was the first six verses, one sentence of what we're called to be, we're called to walk and walk in a certain manner. How cool is it that the Lord follows that right up with the thing of, by the way, I have given you the ability to do that. You see that? It's like, uh, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's grace. Oh, by the way, down in verse eight, and he gave gifts to men. Oh, by the way, down in verse 11, and he gave. The key movement here coming off of the first sentence, is this is the call. Now understand this, you have been given things. You have been graced to do this walk. You have been gifted to do this walk. That's encouraging, friends, that's super encouraging because the one who is over all this, we haven't been given something by someone who's like not over it all, we've been given this by the Lord himself and that's a grand encouragement and a hope for us. Our walk is something that the Lord Jesus himself has equipped you and I to be able to do and then we come to verse 11, and he gave. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, uh, the shepherds and teachers. Uh, flow the, of the, the grammar in there, there's uh, four offices, four roles. There's apostles, there's prophets, there's evangelists, there's shepherd teachers. It's clear in, in the original in, in how that, that moves there. You know, a lot of conversation right at this point gets to kind of uh, weeding, getting into those weeds of those, of those four roles, those four offices and conversations about it, but that's not my intent today with this. We're not exegeting tightly through all of Ephesians here, so I'll just say this. And he gave leadership. That's what those are. And the Lord gave leadership for his people. Okay, Matthew 16. I, the Lord, Jesus will build my church. I will furnish it for effectiveness. We come to Ephesians 4, and I have called God's people to walk in a manner fitting your salvation. Oh, and in all of that, I have given God's people the grace and the gifts to be able to do that. You are equipped. Well, oh, by the way, I also want for you to know that in the movement of my church and in my building and structuring of my church, I have given leadership for my people. With me? And so the Lord here in verse 11 is saying, and he gave ecclesia leadership to his ecclesia people. Well, what are they supposed to do? Verse 12, to equip to equip uh, the ecclesia leadership—that's what they're supposed to do. That's the thing that is front and center. That's the what. If you put it all together, uh, what are what are we doing? I mean, we work one day a week. What? <laughs> what are we doing as leadership? If you put it in one word, it should be equip. That should be our thinking and that should be your understanding. That's our job we equip. Well, equip for what? Well, we equip, uh, or who? We equip the saints. We equip you. Jesus has called his people to walk in a manner. He's graced them and gifted them to be able to walk in that manner. Uh, he has given Ecclesia leadership to, for the saints, to help them in their walking in that manner, and, and also e- in that equipping them for that, equipping them here for the work of ministry. It's interesting, the work, ergon, uh, of ministry. Uh, it's, a, it's a word you're, you're going to kind of be able, uh, diaconia, deacon, it's serving. To, it's not a verb here; it's a noun. They are to be prepared. They are to be equipped. They are to be built up. They are to be strengthened up. Here's how I build them up, strengthen them up to walk and to uh, and to 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 make for my glory. I have leadership that I have been putting in place to equip them to be able to do what I've called and equipped them to be able to do. It is called the work of serving. I think New International Version has it as I have English Standard Version it's the work of ministry it's, it's here, here's the thing we equip you to do the ministry I like that uh, and that's what it is and yet how often today in, in the mindset seriously of God's people and I think even back in my day I fell into it it's kind of like well, th- well that's what you guys do you do the ministry and we get the benefit No, no, no. We equip you to do ministry. That's our highest job. And we are under the eye and the equipping of the Lord to do that. It's not pat us on the back. It's not make big of us. Oh, shame if that's the case. It's we're in this together. And in the working of that together, it's uh, we are here to equip the saints to do uh, the work of ministry. What for? For the building up of the body of Christ. Uh, That's universal and I think in all reality, it also contains both local. There is local leadership and local believers are following this out. Let, let me just read the whole part of it. By the way, verses 11 through 16 is one sentence. One attorney sentence. Let me just read the whole. And, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, he gave leadership to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to mature womanhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. There's no period there. It continues on in the original. Rather, speaking the truth and love, we are to grow up in every way to him who is the head. Oh, he's the head. Let's add that in. Not only is he over it all, he's the head. That's the head head, he's the one, he is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, with, uh, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is a base camp year for us as a church. We're preparing for what is ahead. We've spent five months talking about essentially disciples follow growing forward. We've spent recent months talking about disciples make, being sent forward. And the reason we're bringing this in is, is because it's just, I think it's critically important that we understand in all of this that, by the way, uh, our job is to equip you to do the work of ministry for the building up of the whole body. You are important in God's plan. You are And God has in his kindness and in his love even equipped and given others and called others to help you. To help you be increasingly a follower of Christ and a disciple maker for Christ. When considering assessing a church, when considering assessing your church, What's the question that we should be asking? Here's two. Is it, will this church give me what I want? Or is it, will this church take me to where I need to be? In March, it will be 15 years for us as a church. 15 years. Wow. I can say that, looking back, that by God's grace, the passion and the prayer for this local church 15 years ago was that we would be in Ephesians 4.12, equipping the saints to do the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ kind of a church. Whether we've hit that or done that well or not, We'll leave that in the hands of the Lord. But I just I, I, I want to say, not a pat on our back, but I just want for you to know that has been the central item on our hearts. Equipping those in the seats. Knowing that those in the seats, when they are equipped and they mature as men and women and boys and girls for the Lord, not only will they grow deeper in the Lord, but mature men and women, mature boys and girls, as they mature in the Lord, naturally begin having impact out. And it's not about filling seats in a church. It's about reaching people for the Lord out of that as well. Mature people have a passion for the lost. Immature people don't. Immature people are caught up in themselves and how they need more and more and more and more and more. But maturity begins showing itself when, yeah, I see certainly see what I need to be growing in in an increasing manner. But also, I see that it's not just about me; it's about other people. I want for you to know as well that today, your elders and your pastors. Their heart, their eye, their prayer, their passion is that by God's grace, this church would be an equipping church of the saints. I just want you to know that. That is on the forefront of their mind. And that is on the forefront of their mind because that is the biblical reality. Churches are not a gathering place to just have a good time. I love good times. but Churches are a place where the Lord wants us to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ. That you would become increasingly a man of God and a woman of God. To be used increasingly by our God over which he is the head. There are a few plants uh, located behind the hikers on the side screens. They've been there throughout the series. I don't know if you've noticed them or not. Um, I asked for them to be placed there when we began this Sent Forward series months ago. And I asked for them to be placed there as a kind of a representative thought, a representative prayer and, and that representative is prayer is, is uh, as we head forward for the Lord together might behind each of us there be two, three people over the coming years who by God's grace we might have been a part of seeing them come to know Christ and then disciple them in Christ fruit of our walk for the Lord. A few weeks ago, I showed you the math. The math of what if 700 of God's people committed to seeking that the Lord might use them to be able to influence one person to Christ and disciple that person in Christ over the next three to four years, and then again, and then again, and again. And the outcome of that math of God's people committing to something like that, by God's grace and by God's work out of it, the entire west side of Indianapolis could absolutely be permeated with the hope of the gospel unlike we've ever seen in the history of the west side of Indianapolis out of that multiplication reality. Not for our glory, but for the one whose church this is. The question is, is are we his ecclesia serious about being that kind of a people for him? Are we? Are you? This sermon series could end here. Um, but it's not. I actually kind of wanted to bring an exclamation point to the end of, of the series. So um, here's what I want to let you know what's coming. Um, Have you noticed that the world we live in is increasingly a secular world? Have you noticed that? Bible Belt has been out the window for years now. Billy Graham ministry is not relevant in certain ways today. Um, It used to be in the day where you could almost assume that most of the people that you would engage with had a belief that there was a God, that the Bible was trustworthy, that there even was a heaven and a hell. That's not the case today. It's just not the case. That's the wrong starting point of understanding of our culture. And we can be sad about that, uh, we can be angry about that, or we can equip ourselves to be able to minister in the very place that God has placed us in. And uh, so out of that, um, with this kind of sermon on church's equip, um, we've decided to actually take four Sundays to equip you for the culture that we're sent into. Um, so here's what's going to happen next Sunday. Next Sunday is a special Sunday. Uh, Lee Ballantyne from Scotland is going to be here. Lee planted uh, a church out of uh, Harvest in, uh, in Glasgow, Scotland, uh, just a year or so ago, and he's going to be here next Sunday. You get to come and you get to hear someone preach with a Scottish accent. Nothing cooler than that, okay, next Sunday. Then after that, we're going to take four Sunday, four, four apologetics kind of Sundays. Uh, I'm gonna uh, uh, address the question of, can we trust the Bible? I wanna equip you on on some of that. Then Pastor Chris is going to be talking about the apologetics issue of, uh, do all ways lead to God? So common thought today. Then I'm gonna come back, I'm gonna talk about, can there be joy in the junk and hope in the hurt? Kind of the whole idea of bad things happening. And then uh, Pastor Eric is gonna be talking on, are heaven and hell real? Uh, for equipping you, apologetics kind of Sundays. Pastor Nate's on here because he's like in the Caribbean doing something during that time. Uh, Literally, no, he's going to be down with uh, uh, St. Vincent in the Caribbean. Uh, after those, uh, we'll be Thanksgiving Sunday, and then we'll start our Christmas series, The Light Entered. Um, churches equip. Churches equip. Churches equip. I hope you picked up the communion cup today as you were coming in. I don't want to do a, a massive diversion thought move. I actually want to carry what we've been talking about and I want to make reference to John 13. If you want to turn there, you're welcome to. But I want to turn to John 13. It's the Lord's Supper. and One of the events that happens in the Lord's Supper just sings equipping the one who is the head who will build his church watch him equip and then we'll take communion chapter 13 verse 1 now before the feast of the Passover when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father oh I love this statement having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin. And he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered, what I am doing uh, you do not understand now, but afterward, you, you, you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Oh Lord, then, uh, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and that was why he said, not all of you are clean. Imagine the drama in the, his head with all that. Verse 12, and when he washed their feet and put on our garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and lord and you are right for so I am if I then your lord and teacher have washed your feet you also you also ought to wash one another's feet for I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you that's maturity truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. What was Jesus just doing? What was Jesus just doing there? The one who had already said that he will build his church, that he is the head, that he is the one who will set it in place, that he will furnish it for activity, that he is the one who will be the active one in it. And out of that, we learned that he even put leaders in place, leaders who are there to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry and the churches are to equip. What's he doing here? Answer, he's equipping them. I mean, when the drama is thick in the air, he's got a guy who's been following him for three years who turns out has just been a fake in it all on what, with what's going on. He is about to go to be crucified on the cross, beaten to the point of on the edge of life and death, hung on a cross, nailed like a piece of living meat to a cross, unrecognizable, so beaten out on it, going to die for the sin of the world in that moment. And the evening before all of that begins taking place, what's he doing? He's equipping his people. We come to communion and this is what was part of Communion. Jesus equipping his people. That's what leaders do. You're equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. You might even say small group leaders, that's what what you're doing. Student ministries, that's what you're doing. Children's ministry, that's what's going on right now. And that's what's happening here right now. Churches equip. Equip. And when we come to a time of communion, we remember that's what the Lord did. He is the head. He is the one who died for it. He is the one who owns it. He is the one who gives grace and giftedness for it. He is the one who's called leaders to equip for it. And He is the one who has called you and I, as followers of Christ, to walk in a manner. Fitting of what he has done. I thank God for the work of Christ. And thank you, Lord Jesus. Pouring out your blood for us. Amen? And God, we thank you for it. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have died providing for us to be redeemed from our sinful condition. that you are the head of the church, universal and local. I thank you that you've called each and every follower of Christ to walk in a manner worthy, in a manner of following you and making disciples for you. God, I thank you that you've called and commissioned leaders to be a part of equipping your people to be and do that. God, I pray for this church. I pray that we would be a church that is first and foremost about equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ to mature manhood and womanhood. God, would you give our elders and pastors wisdom as all of that is being worked through and thought through anew for the years ahead on what it looks like to be in equipping the saints church. Thank you for them for the work they do. Oh my, the work they're doing. And God, I pray that you would raise out of us a people that are unlike a people that are following you with increased depth and a people that are making disciples in increased breadth and in ways that we've never experienced before. And that through it, you would be glorified. Oh, through it, you would be glorified. And all God's people said, amen.